0: Series called Flipped, and what that what that means is really we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and we've chosen this title Flip because we believe that the words Jesus speaks, the words he spoke at the Sermon of the Mount that we're looking at, um, just really flip the way that the world sees things. It really flips on its head the way that the world would would sort of the messages we get and the things we hear, and we're going to carry that on today, uh, looking at this idea of us being salt and light, salt and light. So the last two weeks, we've covered the Beatitudes. So the first few parts of the Sermon on the Mount, the kind of introduction, if you will, that Jesus gives are what we call the Beatitudes. And he outlines these kind of Christian attitudes we should have. He says, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the poor in spirit, pure in heart, etc. And this passage almost kind of feels like the kind of, the, the kind of capping off of that statement. He, he lists all these attitudes, and then he comes to, to this that we're going to read together. And it's sort of like the ending of that. And the way I think of it is, this, this part we're about to read is kind of what happens when the Beatitudes enter reality. What happens when the Beatitudes brush up against real life? It's all very well hearing these things of, of kind of ways we can live. But what happens when we have to live those out? live those out? So let's just read that together. It's from Matthew chapter five uh, from verse 13 to 16. And it says this, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how should saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, if I asked you today, what are your biggest influences in your life? Who have been the biggest influences in your life? I wonder what you would say. Who would you think of? Many of you may think of a family member, right? A parent or a grandparent. You might think of uh, someone like a famous musician or sports person, a political or civil rights activist, maybe. Maybe significant Christian figures, you know, people that you listen to uh, now online or see them, or even maybe people from your youth. For me, I certainly think of. My own parents and the influence they've had on me. I think of sort of when I was a young person and the kind of youth pastors that would sort of come to my church and that kind of thing. We all know we have influences in our life. And this passage really is about influence. But what it's about is about how we as Christians influence others. I think so often it's easy to think of other people as being the influencers, right? You have influencers online these days. It's so easy to think of other people are the ones who have influence. Other people are the ones who influenced us. But this passage is actually about the fact that we, each of us, have influence. Each of us as followers of Christ have influence. So when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world, he's not saying you meaning specific people. He's not meaning just the evangelists or just the leaders, just the people who speak really well or have really high positions. He's saying you, meaning anyone who says amen to all of those beatitudes, anyone who says I'm a follower of Christ, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. This applies to all of us. So what I'm going to spend time this morning doing is just unpacking these pictures that Jesus uses, these pictures of salt and light, and just how they challenge us and encourage us. So, the first thing is salt, right? And salt is a very common thing. We all sort of understand it, I guess. But it's one of those things that I think it's helpful for us to be reminded that in the time of Jesus, when they heard salt, there's probably a few different things that would have come to their mind that perhaps wouldn't to us today. So it's helpful to be put into the context of the listeners at the time of Jesus when he said, you are the salt of the earth. So the first thing I want to sort of just highlight about what is, you know, why would Jesus call us salt is the thing I think we would understand immediately, which is salt brings flavor, right? You add salt to something and it brings flavor. So when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, he's saying, you bring flavor. You bring flavor to the places you are in. You bring something different and distinct to wherever you are. You bring, I guess, the flavor of Jesus to where you are. And you may hear that and you may understand that in your mind, but you probably think, well, how does that even work in the context that I'm in? When he lists all these kind of these, these sort of attributes like the Beatitudes, how does that fit with this? How does that all kind of work in reality? And I think really it is, again, looking at this in context, Jesus has listed these beatitudes and then he says, you are the salt of the earth. So if you put those things into practice, that is how we have influence where we are. You may even think of other parts of the Bible, such as uh, when Paul talks in the New Testament about, uh, about the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These things are things that if we put into practice, if we put into practice the Beatitudes, if we put into practice the fruits of the Spirit, we are going to sprinkle the flavor of Jesus where we are. And that can look like different things in different contexts. That could just be showing someone kindness when no one else is. It could be showing kindness when they annoy you and frustrate you. It could be choosing not to say something back when they, you hear a snarky comment said against you. It could be about making the effort when you're just tired. It could be about giving someone a word of encouragement, offering to help when no one else will. And I think the reason that often we don't think of these things is because I think when we hear these concepts that we've heard about the last couple of weeks, like mercy or righteousness or peace, we think of these as big things, right? Big concepts. Big concepts. But actually, it's about the small things. It's about these little acts that we can do. It's about just those little acts of kindness, of encouragement, about showing mercy and peace in small ways where we are. That's what it means to bring flavor there. And you may hear that and think, well, that's all very well. But in reality, those little things don't have much of an impact. They don't really make much of a difference. I don't have much impact where I am. But I think the key thing to remember is that Jesus calls us salt. I've got some salt here. It's not a full one, but let's imagine it's full. 100 grams of salt. And I wonder if you had to guess, if I, if I had lined up here McDonald's fries, right? I did some research on this. If you imagine like a medium McDonald's fries, and I was going down and salting the right amount of salt into each of those fries. I wonder how many you think I could salt with this. Now, some of you are cynical, may think like two or three, um, Some of you may think sort of 20, 50, 80. But I found out that actually with just this one thing of salt, I could salt 160 McDonald's fries. And maybe that's still quite a lot of salt per per pack of fries. But it's funny, isn't it, how just a little bit of salt can add a lot of flavor. Anyone who, who cooks, and I've got to be honest, at home it's rarely me, but if you do cook, then you know that just a little bit of salt adds a lot of flavor. And that's important to know because all of us, no matter no matter how kind of where we are in our company structure, no matter whether we're retired or we're a stay at home parent or wherever we are, we all have the ability, no matter how small we think our impact, to have a big, wide reach. Our small amount of flavor can have a real wide impact. And I think that's a real encouragement that we should take away when we hear that we are salt. Because ultimately, it it doesn't matter where we are, what our place is, we can have a real impact. We can bring the flavor of Jesus where we are. But there are two other things about salt that I wanted to highlight that I think don't as easily spring to mind to us today, just because we don't use it in that way as much. But the people in the time of Jesus certainly would have. So yes, salt brings flavor, but the second thing that I think salt brings, and the second thing I think Jesus would have presumed his listeners would have heard when they heard you are the salt of the earth, is that salt is a preservative, right? It fights against decay, it stops things from decaying. And so there's something in the metaphor here where we are to do that same thing. So salt, sodium chloride, I don't know if, you, if you're aware, but how critical a factor it's been in the expansion of civilization and civilization kind of growing around the world, of course, back in the past, it would have been the case where you needed fresh food to, to to kind of eat right you'd need your fresh crops or your fresh meat, and there wasn't much opportunity if that all went wrong for you to get any other kind of form of food or what have you but with a bit of salt, once they figured out how to, how to make that work, they could, they could make it so that food could be transported for miles and miles and stay fresh. It allowed trade between different places. It allowed people to, to kind of grow, you know, whole cities would grow up around the sort of salt industry. You know, this kind of idea of salt being a preservative is why that Pizza Hut pizza you have a week later somehow is still edible, right? Because it it's chock full of salt. Of course, we have fridges and freezers now. So, we, you know, we know this in our minds, but we don't, that, our mind doesn't go there as easily. But in the time of Jesus, people would have thought of this. They would have thought, right, okay, so we're to fight against decay. So what does that look like? What does that mean? I mean, when you hear that, you may even think, well, what do you even mean, fight against decay? What, what does that mean? Well, as Christians, we, we believe that there's a problem with the world, right? When you turn on the news, when you walk down the street and you look around, things are not quite right. And we believe that's because of the problem of sin. We believe that there's sin in the world, things go wrong. And that is, that is a major issue. And so we are called as Christians to fight that wherever we are. It's not to say that we can always solve every problem where we are. You know, we know that Jesus is the only one who really, truly defeats sin. But as people who, you know, the beatitude says people who hunger and thirst for righteousness, we should be standing against anything that is kind of spreading sin, that is spreading that rot. So practically that would be making decisions about where we spend our time or our money that that, that kind of build righteous things and, and don't kind of perpetuate injustice. That could be about not being part of something, sort of a toxic work culture where it's all gossip or it's you know, things that are kind of going to impact other people in, in that kind of way, you know, people saying offensive things. It's standing up for what's right, whatever that may cost you. And I think the thing is, is that it's very difficult for us sometimes to kind, of, to kind of get into our mind the fact that that's what it means to be salt right? We we think we we get the flavor bit, but so often the cost comes when we have to fight against something else. It's okay to sort of blend in and be sort of flavorful where we are, but sometimes there's a cost as well to, to being salt in the places we are. There's a cost to actually having to maybe say no to something, stand against something. So salt fights decay. It brings flavor, but it also fights against decay. And just the third thing I want to highlight, and I think this is the one that we probably wouldn't think as much about particularly now, is that salt was a precious resource. Salt at the time of Jesus would have been a precious resource. Now it's just common, right? We just go buy it at the shops down at Sainsbury's or wherever, But back in the time of Jesus, some people would literally be paid. Roman soldiers would have been paid in salt. The word salary comes from the the Latin sal is salt and salarium is salary. So the root word is literally the same because in the time of Jesus, people would have literally seen this as a precious thing. They'd get paid in salt. It was highly valuable. So when the people heard Jesus call them salt, they would have thought, wow, there's something precious about that. There's something valuable about me. And again, it sort of flips things on its head, doesn't it? It flips on its head the way we often think, because so often we think, right, I can exert my authority, I can be the influence where I am once I reach X. Once I get to this place, once I'm, once I'm high enough up in this job or once I've got this thing out the way, that's when I can really sort of be a valuable you know, member of society. I can be a really valuable Christian where I am and I can share the gospel, but only once I've sorted out these things. But Jesus, again, he doesn't differentiate. He just says, you are the salt of the earth. You, you as a Christian. It doesn't matter where you are, where your, where your place is, where you feel you are doesn't matter what you think is on the horizon that you need to sort out. No, where you are now, you are precious. You are a precious resource. And do you know why? It's because, I mean, as Christians, let's be honest, and especially in this country, we're, we're, we're a rare commodity. It's not common for people to be Christian. So you know what? In your workplace, you might be the only Christian influence where you are. For some of your friendship groups, you may be one of the only Christians that they come across in their, in their week or month. For some people, you may be the only meaningful Christian relationship they ever have. And it's important to remember that that is a precious thing. You are precious. You are a precious resource. And again, I think it flips our mindset because so often we don't think of ourselves in that way. But that's what Jesus is implying when he calls us salt of the earth. So we are to be salt, we are to bring the flavor of Jesus. We are to help stop decay, stand against decay and injustice and rot. And we are precious. We are a precious resource where we are. I've unpacked a little bit salt and what that looks like. But let's just move on to when Jesus says that we are the light of the world. And we'll come back to, you will notice I've I've just skipped a bit where he sort of challenges us about a few things. I'll come back to that. But let's just jump to you are the light of the world, the, the second metaphor. And it's important we acknowledge that he chose to give us two metaphors, right? He chose to give us salt and light. If salt was enough, if, if he was just saying, you're the salt of the earth and you left it there, we could say, okay, that's, that's all that's required. But clearly he's, he's coming at the same idea from two angles. So it's important we acknowledge that these two things are going to give us slightly different ideas here. You see, I think if we thought of ourselves just as salt... Salt is quite subtle, isn't it? You put salt in something and you don't necessarily know where, the, where it is. It's just kind of giving flavor to the whole thing. But light is obvious. Light is clear. Light is visible. You know, light, if you think of, the, the sort of this, like this metaphor, we unpack it a bit. It's, it's pretty much the same idea, I think, now as it would have been in the time of Jesus. You know, light, light is visible and helps us to see. Light fights against the darkness Light's like attractive, it draws people in and helps them to see as well. It's almost as if Jesus knew that if some of his followers just heard that they were salt and they could take the subtle approach, that perhaps they wouldn't be quite as bold or quite as clear and obvious and shining bright as they, they could be. So he uses both metaphors to show what we are to be. We are to be to influence where we are in subtle ways to bring flavor and say no to things and to and to kind of just, just be that precious resource where we are, but also in bold ways, in obvious, visible ways. And in fact, Jesus encourages them, doesn't he, in verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works. And you now you hear that and you might think, well, that's, that's a strange thing to hear. Don't we hear in other parts of the Bible that we shouldn't be kind of like putting ourselves out there and being kind of, you know, Sort of like showing off almost what the good that we do. And actually, what's interesting is that, if, is that in the later weeks, when we come on to this, at the start of Matthew 6, so in the, is the same part, um, the, same, the same part of the um, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew, Matthew 6, verse 1, Jesus says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. That's funny, isn't it? Within the same talk, basically, he says one thing and says something else that seems to almost contradict it. He says, he says, make sure people see your good deeds, but also he says, be care, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. So what's the difference? Well, I think the difference is motivation. The difference is the heart of why we would do that. Why would we, why would we be bothered, other people, seeing the things that we do? You see, when Jesus says that we are the light of the world, He says, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So the reason that we want people to be able to see what we do, doesn't mean you show off and say, look at me, look at me. But if people see what we do, that's a good thing. Because if they know we're a Christian, then they're going to to think, wow, there's something different about this person, something different about the way they live. And And if they know we're a Christian, then that glory is going to God. But the heart of the person later that he, wears, he says beware of is beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. That's the difference. That's, that's the challenge, isn't it? That's the kind of the tension. is that some of us, when we do good things, we can be doing all of the things that we hear in the Beatitudes. I'm being, I'm being a good person. I'm, I'm bringing peace. I'm being merciful. I'm seeking out righteousness. But if we're doing it so we can be seen by others, then you're not really being the light of the world that Jesus is talking about here. I think we, while we hear that, and that's definitely a struggle for some of us, for some of us, I think the struggle is actually the other way. And that's what Jesus actually focuses on in this passage. Because he says, a light can be put under a basket. You can hide your light under a basket. It shouldn't be there, but that's what we can sometimes do. Because sometimes when, when people see, see the good things we do, we just want to bat it away. We want to bat it and we say, no, no, no. I don't I don't want that. I don't I don't want that. And it's not just in the way of kind of like, you know, oh, you know, trying to be humble, but actually genuinely sometimes I think some of us can just can just almost throw the baby out with the bathwater. We kind of we bat it to someone else, or we kind of say, I don't want any of this. But Jesus, it is a good thing. If someone sees what you do and sees the good that you do, it's that's a good thing. So long as the glory goes to God. So the, the, the sort of tension is is that For some of us, we want the glory to go to us. But others of us want to literally give the glory to nobody. We want it to just go away. We don't want any of that glory. Actually, the challenge is is that Jesus says, no, let others see the good works you do so they can give glory to your Father in heaven. And that's easier said than done. It's not an easy thing. But it is what Jesus is calling us to do. And that's why it's so important, I think, where we are, that people know and, and are aware that we're Christian. They, they, they know and are aware of what we believe. Because otherwise, where is that glory going to go? Is it going to go to us or is it just going to go to waste, almost? Now, I don't know about you as well. When I hear this line, um, we are the light of the world, you know, Jesus says, says that his followers are the light of the world, it kind of feels a bit funny in my head because I think when I was growing up and being in the church, What, what, of course, you're always taught is that Jesus is the light of the world, right? You hear, I am the light of the world, said by Jesus. And he says that in John 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So it's a strange one, isn't it? So, So who's the light of the world? Is it Jesus? Is it us? How does that work? And I think the key, when we look at that verse in John, actually, it kind of unlocks things a little bit, I think. Is that it says... I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So I think it's important that we acknowledge, and I think actually this solves some of the tension I was talking about before, that actually, if we acknowledge that the light we share with others comes from Jesus, it's not from us, then it removes all that tension we have, all the tension of, you know, one way we want to have the glory for ourselves. Well, well, I mean, all that light isn't from us. Or the tension of, oh, but, you know, it's just really hard. I don't want to accept it. Well, it's the light. It's not from us. The light is from Jesus. See, I think often we think of ourselves almost like torches, you know, like, like, I guess we have a torch on our phone. We think of ourselves like this torch, yeah? That's what we are. We're the light. We have to shine our light around. I think maybe a kind of a more, a more kind of relevant picture maybe for, for how we shine light is almost like we're more like a, a mirror. We're more like a mirror. Because, you see, when I shine this light around, eventually my battery's going to go. You know, i it's going to get worn down. And some of us probably feel that way, right? When we're supposed to be being that kind of Christian influence where we are, it's just, it's just tiring. It's like, oh, gosh, can't I just have a break? But if we, if we truly believe that Jesus is the source of that light, it completely flips how we see the situation. If, I, if Jesus is the one shining light, and I'm just reflecting that around to, to different people, I'm just reflecting that around me, then actually the source is somewhere else. And again, it just removes, it removes all, all, all kind of chance for us to be arrogant about that. And it removes all chance for us to say, oh, no, that's too much for me. It's not, the light isn't from you. The light is from Jesus. He gives us the light to then shine and share with others. So I just want to sort of summarize, I guess, what we've talked about a little bit today before I just go on to a couple of challenges for us to finish. So Jesus calls us salt, and he calls us light. We've unpacked a little bit what salt is, what the listeners at the time of Jesus would have thought, and they would have thought, well, salt brings flavor. Salt fights decay, and salt is a precious resource. And those are all things that I think we can take for ourselves, that Jesus is saying we bring flavor where we are. The flavor of Jesus in the the way we live, the way we act, our conduct is going to bring the flavor of Jesus. We're also to fight decay. There's the kind of positive side the things we do. There's things maybe we shouldn't do. There's things maybe we should stand up against. There's maybe injustice where we are that we should actually speak up about. So we should fight decay. And also, we are a precious resource. It's important that you know where you are, where you've been placed is You're precious there because you're a Christian influence where you are. And we are light. We are to bring light. Jesus says we're the light of the world. I just want to just encourage you that actually that light is just a reflection of Jesus' light. The source is not you. The source is Jesus. And that hopefully removes a lot of the kind of stress or a lot of the kind of internal stuff. If we just flip our mind and go, actually, it's Christ's light that we're reflecting but I want to just end on two quick challenges for us. And the first I've mentioned already, we sort of skipped over a little bit of the passage there, which was when Jesus kind of warns his, his disciples, his followers, the readers now, about, about, about this being the salt of the earth. So he says, you are the salt of the earth, and he jumps straight in, but if salt has lost its taste, how should its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. I always love how harsh Jesus is. (laughs) The world will act like he's just sort of this mild, meek, you know, all this kind of stuff. And we've already discussed that, you know, sort of mild and meek probably, there's a misunderstanding of how those words are used anyway. But so often he just cuts to the core. He cuts to the core. So we know this is important because he wouldn't use that kind of language if it wasn't a serious thing. It wasn't a big deal. And I just wanted to kind of say just first of all, just... Be careful that we don't lose our saltiness. I'm saying this to myself just as much as to you. But we need to be careful that we don't lose our saltiness. And now that sounds strange because obviously he says, you are salt, but be careful you don't lose your saltiness. So how does that, that seems like a kind of a, a conflict, right? How does that make sense? And what I was reminded of was, uh, of was in uh, the book of James, where it says, faith without works is dead, right? It's this famous passage in James. And it's funny because as Christians, we believe that we are saved by faith alone. We believe that it's just our faith that saves us. Nothing that we do, no works kind of save us. It's just what Jesus did and our faith in that. And yet that kind of passage is often misunderstood and gets, and gets kind of thrown around as like a, a spanner in the works. Because it sounds like it's saying you still got to do the works. Otherwise, your faith is dead. But I think what, it, what, it, what it's really saying, the sort of, I guess, the, the seeming tension there is just to say that if there is no discernible change in us because of the reality and the power of the gospel, then do we really have faith in the first place? That's what that is saying. It's not saying that we need other things on top of faith. If the power of the gospel has so little impact on us that no one could even tell the difference in your life, that nothing changes... And is that really faith? And that's what I think it's, it's a similar thing here with salt. Yes, we are all salt. But if literally, if no one sees any change or influence where you are, if you, if you bring no flavor to where you are, if you never fight against decay or stand up against sin or injustice, and if you, if, 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 if you don't just kind of share your light with others in that kind of way you are as a precious resource, then are we really being sought where we are. Are we really sought at all? And now just to be clear, I'm not implying actually that necessarily a lot of us here would, would come away from that kind of thought process going, no, I'm not salt." I think many of us would say, no, I think I am salt where I am. But it's the warning Jesus gave. So we have to take that seriously. I think it's important that just every now and again, we just check ourselves and just go, am I, am I still being sought where I am? Because Jesus said it's a really serious thing. If we lose our saltiness, well, we're going to be trampled underfoot, is the the kind of words he used. I mean, it's it's a serious thing. Whatever Whatever that looks like in your context, it's just important that we think today, what are we doing? What influence do we have where we are? And are we actually exerting that influence? Because if not, then I think we need to think long and hard about that. But I think just to end on a kind of slightly more positive challenge, is that I think the challenge for us today is to be salt and light where we are. Be salt and light where you are. Because you see, I think the real test of this is when we go out into the world and live this day by day. The test is that we want to be influenced somewhere somewhere outside of these four walls here today. Because many of us are going to sit here nodding hmm Yes, yes, I agree. Mm, good. Yeah, yeah. No, not about that part. But yeah, all good. Right? But it's it's not about just nodding and going yes and having it in our head. That has to translate to, to what we do when we're out in the world. Because that's where our influence matters. That's where our influence actually kind of has an impact. Just give you a little just kind of picture. So if you imagine us, oh, I got to see a little smiley face on the screen there. Yeah, imagine that's me. Um, and, and imagine all of us are kind of like beacons, right? We're like lights. We have like an, an air of influence around us. There you go. We all have a little air of influence around us. When we come together on a Sunday, we all, we all bring our own influence. We all shine brightly, right? We're all in the same place together. And it's great. We, we, we shine. We share with one another. But actually, our influence on a Sunday is small, right? We're all here. Our influence on a Sunday is small because that's not where we're called to be salt and light. If we want to spread our influence, if we want to fill the whole house, as Jesus puts it in this passage, you can only do that when we go out into the world. We go out into the world, look, look at the kind of ground we can... If you imagine those beacons, for those who are listening to this and not seeing visually what's on the screen, but if you can imagine all of these little beacons spread around... That's how, we, that's how we, we have the influence. That's how we can be salt and light where we are. Not, where, not because what we do on a Sunday. Not what we do when we, we meet in community group and these other things. These are great things, by the way. Wonderful things. We equip one another and encourage one another. Wonderful things. But to be salt and light means to go out into the world and to have influence spread across East London, across London, across the world for our guests and visitors. Wherever we are, we have to be salt and light there. All of us are sought and like where we are. And that's the challenge. No one is exempt. This is not something just for Mark. It's not something just for Tom and Phoebe and people who are gifted in kind of evangelism or leadership. This is for all of us to be sought and like where we are. And God has placed us there. That's the encouraging thing. God has placed us where we are and he's with us. His Holy Spirit works within us to help us to be salt and light where we are. We're not doing this alone. We're not doing this in our own own strength. The source of the light that we're shining is Jesus. So I just want to just, just end with that encouragement and that challenge for us. You are salt. You are light where you are. You have influence where you are. And Jesus himself has given us that authority. He says, you are salt, you are light. There's no distinction made. We are all salt and light. We're all called to this. So I just want to end by just praying for these things, just praying for these challenges that, that I've shared there. About just being careful that we don't lose our saltiness. Just just making sure we check ourselves, that we kind of know, am I really still exerting that influence? Am I still making sure that I'm having an impact where I am? Also just knowing that where you are, where we are, where we're placed, that is where you're supposed to be. That is where you will exert your Christian influence. That is where you will be salt and light. And that Jesus is with you. So let's pray. To finish before uh, Jonathan and Adam are come back up to lead us. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that, it is, that is in it. Thank you for that honor and privilege of being called salt and light. You call us as your children, salt and light. And that means that we can bring your your kind of flavor to where we are. It means that we can fight against decay and we can be we can just be that kind of shining beacon where we are in the places we are lord lord i just ha- help us this morning lord if there's anyone here if anyone here is losing their saltiness lord i'll just, pl- I just pray that your holy spirit will reveal that i pray that that'll be something that we can work on in our hearts that that, that if that is you this morning Father, I just pray that that, that, that whoever it is, Father, that that is feeling that way will feel confident to pray with someone, talk with someone, just reflect on this, Lord. I just pray though, that, that these things will be revealed because you clearly think it's a serious thing. But also, I just want to rejoice in the fact that you send us out. We believe in the priesthood of all believers. All of us are sent out to be salt and light where we are, and you are with us in those places, Lord. That you work within us, that is Christ in us, shining brightly so people can see, Lord. So I just pray for a real confidence in that this morning, that each of us would feel the confidence that comes in knowing that we have been sent to be salt and we have been sent to be light in the places you put us, Lord. So Lord, I pray just, just work in our hearts, work in our hearts, Father. Reveal what you're speaking to us this morning. And just be with us, Lord, as we come out of this place.